Good day to you all. This is B.R. Balachandran. I'm an urban planner and a PhD candidate at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Welcome to this podcast episode, What Will It Take to Make City Planning Work in India? To respond to this question, I have with me online Dr. Bimal Patel, well-known architect, urbanist, and the president of the SEPT University at Ahmedabad. I had the privilege of working with Bimal at Environmental Planning Collaborative in Ahmedabad from 97 to 2006, and I have continued to collaborate with him since then. It's my pleasure to interview him for this podcast. Hi, Bimal. Welcome to the podcast. Let's start with a more basic question. Why are we saying that city planning is not working in India? And in your opinion, if it were working, how would our cities be different? Uh, thank you very much, Bala. Uh, you see, almost all our towns and cities have some form of statutory plan in place. Uh, they have some building regulations in place. There is a plan for how everything has to be organized in the city. These plans indicate where future growth will take place. And in these areas where future growth is going to take place, they show where roads are going to be built, where parks are going to be built, gardens are going to be built, social amenities are going to be built, where and what type of infrastructure is going to be built, and so on. They also show where and what type of new buildings may be built by private landowners or developers, and what uses these buildings can be put to. Now, these plans are also made for already built up areas. They show how there are many proposals in these areas also. New roads, road widening proposals, new infrastructure for meeting shortfalls in demand and so on. Plans are almost always accompanied by elaborate building regulations which specify where buildings may be placed on plots, what height and bulk they can have and in great detail they also lay out the standards that the buildings are to be built to. That is, that, that, that's to say that we do not lack in planning most towns and cities in India have elaborate plans and building regulations in place. However, if one looks at towns and cities themselves to see how they have fared, it is very clear that planning is not working. Towns and cities appear to be growing haphazardly without reference to the plans. New growth is lacking in street space, in infrastructure, in amenities, Buildings often appear to have been built without any reference to building regulations. Large-scale illegal construction seems to proliferate everywhere. Older areas of cities also appear to be undergoing chaotic redevelopment. With their streets choked by traffic and water supply and drainage also stressed by ever-growing populations. All of this seems to be falling apart. The quality of life in, in older areas of towns and cities seems to have deteriorated over the years, not improved. There are a lot of slums, legal housing and workspaces are unaffordable, and generally speaking, no one seems to be following building bylaws. Despite the fact that landowners seem to be profiting immensely from skyrocketing land prices, local authorities do not seem to have the resources to develop their own towns and cities. Seeing all of this, one is forced to conclude that urban planning is simply not working in India. If it were, we would have more orderly growth of towns and cities and more orderly redevelopment. And uh, it would appear that 
we have our eye to the future and things are unfolding in a way that they will improve gradually. This doesn't seem to be the case. And that is why I, I, I think we are forced to conclude that urban planning is simply not working in India. But whenever things don't work properly and, you know, things get into a messy situation like you've been describing, uh, planners always complain about, you know, stuff that they don't have. I mean, they are complaining about data, they're complaining about the limited scope and powers that they have as planners, about, you know, norms and standards being too lax. And, and of course, uh, we planners think our tribe should increase. You know, there should be more planners. What do you think? What will actually drive change in this domain? Bala, you're absolutely right. Uh, when planners are confronted with the fact that their planning is not working, they come up with a whole litany of complaints and remedies. You know, I, I, I've heard this so many times. We are unable to accurately predict the future because we lack data. Uh, we lack high quality modeling techniques. More data, more sophisticated modeling techniques will solve the problem. Our towns and cities are growing outside our planning boundaries. So please expand our planning jurisdictions. We cannot solve the problem of slums and the lack of uh, basics without ourselves building and providing houses or other necessities. So please let us build large housing programs. Let us build large infrastructure and development programs. Or they say the scope of planning is too narrow. It should be broadened to include a lot more. We should be thinking of environmental sustainability, disaster preparedness, actually, mitigation of climate change. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I actually planners tend to think that they are responsible for doing everything, right? I mean, they yes, they do. They, they 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 feel that they should be doing everything, looking at the humane treatment of animals, heritage protection, everything. everything. You know, uh, there's there's more. Our buildings are cramped and not safe, so we must upgrade and tighten our standards. We should be allowed to enforce our higher standards. We are unable to implement our proposals because of lack of resources. Our resources should be augmented. There is too much political interference. Planning should be insulated from politicians. Indians are simply not used to following rules. We are a corrupt society. Indians have to become more law-abiding and plans have to be more strictly enforced. We need more planners, more infrastructure to make more detailed plans, so on and so forth. In my view, all such complaints that planners make and the remedies that they propose are all misguided. You know, and I've come to my view uh, from having grappled with planning, having changed the way in which planning is done. You were, you were a part of that process to start with when we started here. And yep. come to the realization that the problem is more fundamental. Urban planning does not work in India because the Indian approach to planning is flawed. It is still deeply rooted in the failed license permit Raj approach to planning and policy making. If planners want plan to work in India, they're going to have to reorient and reform themselves, adopt more realistic assumptions, liberalize their policies and quit blaming others. Indian urban planning needs a more fundamental change. It needs a paradigm shift. Nothing's going to change without completely shifting the paradigm from which we operate. Okay, that, that sounds like a really uh, big undertaking. So uh, when we talk of the paradigm shift, it probably encompasses a whole lot of things in your mind. So let's try and unpack 
the prevailing paradigm and the kind of changes uh, that we need. I also, in this discussion, I also want to focus uh, on the uh, spatial and physical aspects of planning, which have great impact on, on quality of life. So may I start with uh, a specific issue? Whenever something goes wrong in our cities, there is an uproar about how our planners failed to foresee the needs of the present when they made the city's master plan uh, way back when, I mean, in some cases, decades back. So are Indian planners so bad at predicting the future compared to their counterparts in developed countries? Or, you know, we are so bad at it? Well, Bala, I think, you know, the, the answer is, is pretty straightforward. Indian urban planners are no better or worse than their counterparts in predicting the future. But that's not the problem at all. The real problem is operating with a belief that the future can be well predicted. Let me explain what I mean. See, Indian urban planning is premised on the belief that the future can be predicted reasonably well. Therefore, all plans commence by trying to predict what the population of a town or city that is being planned will be at the time that is decided as the planning horizon. Thus, for example, if a plan is being made for Mumbai up to 2040, then planners start by projecting what the population of Mumbai will be in 2040. Right. Then based on this number, they try to project the needs of the population in 2040. How much land will be needed, how much housing will be needed, how much infrastructure will be needed, and so on and so forth. Then based on this, they design a plan for the city of the future. They, they, they draw it up and say what is going to be where and develop a whole program for building all the infrastructure that will be needed to meet the needs up to 2040. Hmm. The question is, is it really possible to predict the future even reasonably well? Does anyone believe this is possible? You know, if anyone believes this can be done, I'd suggest that we think back to the time when we were 20 years younger and honestly ask ourselves what we could have predicted about today's society, economy, technology, politics. When I look back 20 years ago, and that was the year 2000, that was the year of the earthquake, incidentally, Bala, when you were doing all the work in Boj uh, around that time. And could we have imagined that it's possible to have a, a, a Zoom call where people see each other across <laughs> nations? Uh, would we have predicted that you have a, a car manufacturing facility, I mean, if, uh, industry in Ahmedabad, would we have predicted the rise of the, uh, the BJP uh, in, in, in Ahmedabad? We, we knew nothing. We knew nothing about how rich Indians are going to be, what they are going to consume, how much they are consumed. If our ability to predict the future is so poor, how can we base plans on our prediction of the future? How can we make rigid plans based on these predictions? Uh, we ought to be designing, uh, uh, not, uh, we ought not to be designing base cities on the basis of such predictions. We, we, we ought to be uh, 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 
designing in a different or planning in a different way. Uh, you know, otherwise the plans that we make, rigid plans that we make based on future prediction become strangleholds on cities when the future decides to unfold in ways that the planners had not predicted. And that is the problem of planning. Planning instead of supporting and, and, and enabling the future ends up becoming a stranglehold on the unfolding of the future. And that's, that's a real problem. That's right. the first, first way in which planning needs to change. We right. need to take, take uh, the unpredictability of the future a lot more seriously. Right. And because of, uh, you know, Indian planning systems belief in predictability, they also tend to try to do a lot more they can, than they can actually do in the master plans. So more, I've, I've noticed that most master plans and development plans in India are full of great ideas, but most of these ideas remain exactly that. I mean, just great ideas. So I'm, I'm wondering, do our plans promise too much and deliver too little? Yes, yes. I mean, there's no denying that. Our plans promise too much and deliver too little. But I don't think the fault, the fault is in, in thinking big and promising a lot. You, you know, Daniel Burnham, the great American architect and planner once said, make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. Hmm. I think that is true. So I wouldn't say that planners should not think big or that they should not promise a lot. They should think big, but more importantly, they should think about how they are going to deliver on what they are promising. If they have no way of delivering uh, on what they are promising, they ought not to be making such plans. Now, I, you know, if you go into that in a little more, uh, you know, planners ought to be asking themselves, you know, do I have the legal mandate and backing to deliver on what I have promised? Can, can this mandate, if necessary, be expanded? Uh, and and can, it, can the backing be extended? Or is it better to limit the scope of my plan and proposal to what, is, what I'm legally mandated to do, what I'm required to do? Uh, they ought to be also asking that, do I have the resources to deliver on the goods and services that I would like to deliver? Can I creatively increase these resources? Or more importantly, can I use market forces to deliver on necessary goods and services and limit the scope of what the government has to deliver? This latter possibility has never been taken seriously by Indian urban planning. They seem to be operating with the view that all towns and cities are like company towns where the management is responsible for delivering everything. Indian urban planning needs to abandon the view that cities are company towns and that the government has to take the entire responsibility for the well-being of their citizens. They have to learn how to work with markets instead of trying to replace markets. Right. Not having thought such issues through, Indian urban planning has promised more than it can deliver. Many tall and unrealistic promises are made and planning has disregarded the limits to its mandate, disregarded affordability and tried to replace markets instead of using them and not focused on what is important and urgent. I think this needs to change. Right. And one of the um, sort of fallouts of uh, this notion that the planner has to do everything and uh, somehow magically is capable of providing everything 
is that uh, we set the norms and standards too high. As you know, I, I had made this effort some years ago to establish, a, to help establish a company to provide market-based solutions for affordable housing. And we found it extremely difficult to deliver truly affordable housing. And, you know, it has a lot to do with planning. So can you speak to the issue of how planning impacts affordability in a city? Absolutely, Bala. You were not able to create really low-cost housing because planning does not allow you to create low-cost housing. You see, let me, let me explain what I mean. One of the most important things that planning does is to set statutory standards that everyone has to follow, particularly in the realm of building construction. These standards are set out in the, you know, in the form of building regulations. You know, for example, uh, building regulations will define what your plumbing standard should be, what your earthquake safety standard should be, what your space standard should be, how much land you have to consume, uh, you, how much uh, pollution control you have to provide, how much parking you have to provide, so on and so forth. Planners have gone ahead and set these standards because they want to establish a sort of a minimum standard that, that, that people have to uphold when living in a city. The problem is not this. Problem is that each standard imposes a cost. If a standard did not impose a cost, you wouldn't need to make a law about it. Uh, so if, if, if it costs nothing to provide additional parking, uh, you wouldn't need to create a standard for how much parking is to be provided. Or if it costs nothing to uh, provide, let us say, more floor space, uh, for, uh, for, for a common facility in, a, in an apartment building. You would provide a lot of floor space. If it did not cost much to uh, uh, you know, increase the width of the staircase in a, you know, in a building, you would provide liberal size staircase. So all standards impose costs. And when you take all these standards together, they end up establishing a sort of a minimum threshold cost that has to be incurred if you want to build legally in the city. Now, all of this is not problematic if you don't have a constraint on resources. Unfortunately, Indian planners have set all these standards without thinking of affordability. They haven't figured out how, what the income levels of the population are how much they can afford to spend on their buildings and what are the trade-offs they will be willing to make to live in the city. Now, this is the real problem. Once all these standards are set high, you effectively say, if you don't have so much money as to follow my standards, then please stay out of my city. Of course, uh, this is like, uh, you know, sort of exercise, I mean, this, this, this practice of untouchability in earlier times, this is a sort of a new form of that, uh, only is directed at the poor. Uh, of course, nothing like this happens. What happens is that people keep coming to cities, there's no way of keeping them out, they cannot build legally, so they will build illegally. So planning by establishing high standards ends up 
forcing people to live in slums. Actually, if you were more sensible, if Indian planning wanted to make itself effective, it would set up graded set of standards uh, and, and say, listen, we must accept the fact that affordability is an issue. We will allow in, in, in circumstances, lower standard things to come up because that's all we can afford at this stage. And as Indian society becomes richer, we'll ratchet up our standards gradually, not from day one. And this is the paradigm shift that is needed. Planning needs to keep affordability in mind when setting standards. That's extremely important. Right. And, and you know, setting those standards unrealistically also makes the plans really difficult to implement. So except, with a few exceptions, I think master plans and development plans at city level across India hardly ever get implemented in the way they uh, are intended to. So the other day I was talking to a retired chief town planner from Kerala in the context of some work I'm doing there and he referred to master plans as paper tigers. How can we give some real bite to them? How can we get you know master plans and development plans implemented? Well, I know exactly the sentiment that the chief planner was expressing. You know, once I asked a very, in, in one, one um, so student convention, I asked a, a very large gathering of urban planning students from across the country whether they believe that the whether they believe that the plans that they are going to make after they graduate, whether these are going these will be implemented or not. And I wasn't very surprised when they all said that they did not believe that their plans were going to be. They, 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 you know, it, was a, it was kind of tragic that these young people setting off on a career of making plans and they are already convinced that the plans that they're going to make are never going to be implemented. Now, keeping that sort of tragic aspect of it aside, I asked them, I said, what's the reason for this? Why do you think your plans are never going to be implemented? And the answer was also very predictable. I've, 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 I've talked to many students. And they basically gave two reasons. They said, listen, we lack the resources. And second, politics. We'll make good plans, but they will not be implemented because government will not give us the resources to implement those plans. And second, we'll make good plans, but they will not be implemented because politicians will interfere in our planning. They will keep us from strictly enforcing our plans and therefore our plans will not be implemented. You know, so then I turned to them and I said, listen, I said, consider the following. Suppose you're an aeronautical engineer, uh, that is, you know, who's designing a, a plane, uh, making a model plane, let us say. And then you ask him, he says, listen, this, listen, engineer, you know, uh, is, is this plane going to fly after you finish making it? And suppose he tells you with a smile that he does not expect the plane to fly. And then you ask him, why, why are you making a plane? And it's not good. Why is it not going to fly? And he tells you, gravity, sir. If there were no gravity, my plane would fly. <laughs> what would you tell an aeronautical engineer like that? You say, listen, my friend, you, you seem to have not got the point of this. Uh, you, you cannot wish gravity away. It is precisely your job to deal with gravity. Design your plane so that it works against gravity and flies. In a similar fashion, Indian urban planning has never quite got it that it is precisely the planner's task to build into the plan mechanisms for raising resources. You just don't sit back and say, government gives me no resources. You have to figure out ways of raising resources through your plan. There are a variety of ways of doing this. For example, land and property prices in Indian cities are very high, and this allows 
uh, you know, property owners, landowners to profit immensely. The planners, you know, they're creating value with their plans. It's their job to build in mechanisms that will unlock this value and plow it back into urban development. We ought to change the way in which we do planning. We don't cannot sit back and say that raising resources is somebody else's problem. Likewise, Indian urban planning has never quite wanted that politicians, you know, are able to interfere in planning. One big reason why they're able to interfere is because planners are unconcerned with questions of fairness. They think that they are doing some technocratic job. Plans are bound to create inequities in the distribution of costs and benefits. In other words, you know, some people are likely to benefit more from a plan's proposal, others are likely to bear an unfair burden of the cost. Now, it is this unfairness, if you know, if allowed to prevail, that allows politicians to intrude into planning on behalf of those who have been unfairly dealt with. If planners do not want to give politicians an easy way of interfering with plans, they should build into the plan mechanisms or, or do their planning in a way that is fairer so that they have mechanisms for compensating losers and for taking away some of the unearned benefits. Unless you, unless people believe that your plan is fair, politicians are going to have a field day, uh, you know, and, and, and they're going to jump in on behalf of the losers and interfere and stop you from implementing your plans. And, and that's good, I think. Uh, now, that's are good for planning, but it's good for for, for, for the country as a whole. Now, I, I think Indian planning needs to see planning not as some technocratic activity that is uh, done in some laboratory, uh, but a political activity where one has to factor in questions of fairness, okay? And, and, and if planning is to work in India, Indian planners are going to have to think of this. So that's the key thing. Absolutely. So I, I totally agree with you. I, I remember uh, a retired uh, chief town planner again uh, in Ahmedabad saying, uh, sometimes planning has to be cruel. And, and it took us so many years to turn those kind of people around uh, in the way we uh, changed uh, how planning was done in Gujarat. And one last uh, point I want to raise with you is, you know, one, again, one complaint that planners often uh, say is that we don't have enough planners, we don't have enough planning infrastructure uh, to do all the planning that is needed. So will throwing more bodies at the issue solve the problem? Well, how can one deny that we don't have enough planners? I mean, I, I, I sort of completely agree that we need more planners, we need more infrastructure, etc. But really, you know, Bala, is that the problem? is, you know, if we have more planners and they keep planning in the traditional way that they have been planning, they are going to be more of a problem. We are going to expand the problem rather than, than, than to uh, sort of solve it. So the real issue is, uh, well, we need to have more planners, but what even more important is that they need to plan in a different way. Uh, what we need is a paradigm shift in urban planning. And that is more critical then throw in more bodies at it. We need to we need to 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 to, to bring about somehow this reform uh, and liberalisation in in urban planning in the country. So that's really the most important thing. It, it, we have uh, 
covered most of the uh, issues that affect the effectiveness of planning in India. So in conclusion, if you would like to, you know, sum up this discussion for the listeners, what would you like to say? Well, I'd say that, uh, you know, um, I'd say that uh, uh, we, we are, we are, India is undergoing a sort of an epochal change from a sort of village-based society. We are becoming a society of towns, town and city dwellers. Okay, and uh, it, it, this whole process of urbanization can catapult us into another level of development. But we can do this if we get urban development right. And urban planning and I'd say urban design are so crucial in getting this right, in getting urban development right. I mean, if urban development is to work, is to happen, we are going to have to make planning work. And if planning is to work, we are going to have to change the approach and attitude with which we do planning. And that's crucial. So I, I, I think this is one of the most important and challenging tasks that we have at this point. Great. Thank you, Bimal. That sort of sums it up nicely and also brings us to the end of this podcast. So today we took a look at the big picture, the paradigm shift that city planning in India needs. Each point that we covered today really deserves a more detailed discussion. I hope we can do that in later podcast episodes with you. Thank you very much, Bala. This was, this was very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dear listeners, thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope to bring you more discussions on making city planning work in India. Stay safe and be productive.